Hi, and welcome to Getting Biblical, the show where I drink too much and talk about my favorite Bible stories. I am Matt Smith, your host, and thank you for joining us today. So in today's episode, we're going to pick up right where we left off last week, covering the story of Abraham, the artist formerly known as Abram. We, we covered his covenant with God, with the dream and the fire, like moving through the sacrificed animals. And we talked about his super hot wife, Sarai, who uh, even as a senior citizen was so beautiful that she sort of accidentally got married to a pharaoh. <laughs> and we talked about how in the like the weirdest HR open enrollment session or period <laughs> of any company I've ever heard of, uh, Abraham and anyone that worked underneath him, they all were required to get circumcised within like a 24-hour period. So some kind of weird stuff to set the foundation for the story of Abraham. Today, though, we're going to continue and get into some really spicy stuff with Abraham, his wife Sarah, and his nephew Lot. We're going to cover a bunch of different stories from all three of those players. And I want to give a quick, I've never done this before on the show, a quick uh, like a disclaimer, a little bit of a heads up, a parental advisory warning or whatever you want to call it, uh, a trigger warning. Like for real, like uh, in all seriousness, this episode we are going to talk a lot about, you know, maybe it's a little bit of a spoiler, but there is, there's there's sex and, and some rape stuff and whatever. And so just as a heads up, you know, just let you know what we're, what we're getting into. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll try to keep it light and everything as much as we can with those topics, but it's they're they're the stories that are in there and and we have a we have a duty to cover them so just want to give you a, a fair warning before we get into it all anyway but first thing is first let's cover what i am drinking today so for this episode i decided to switch things up a bit and move away from the whiskey the bourbon scotch that i normally do on the show or, or beer or wine that, that we've also done so we're going to go into new territory for this episode. For the first time on the show, we are drinking tequila. Now, tequila is a spirit that I always feel especially stressed out about when buying it for a couple of reasons. One is because I don't buy it very often, and when I do, I want to make sure that I'm buying the right thing, the, the product that I want, because there's a lot of... of I don't want to say moving parts. There's a lot of things to keep track of when buying it. All, there's like four different terms of how old it is and everything that you have to kind of keep track of when you're thinking about what you're purchasing. I didn't have this problem when I was in my 20s and was just buying something to get messed up or whatever. But as I've gotten older and learned more about about spirits in general and alcohol, and my goal is to get to the more sophisticated or, or, or to, the, to really appreciate the art behind these drinks and not just drink them to to get messed up and and tequila has a bad rap because it's so often synonymous with getting super sloppy drunk or not remembering what happened or ending up naked when you maybe didn't want to originally which can definitely be a, a bad thing uh, my buddy zach who's also a heavy drinker uh, normally of beer and whiskey he he claims that he has a 100% perfect track record of whenever he drinks tequila specifically he wakes up in his living room without any pants on which <laughs> could maybe sometimes be a fine thing like nothing wrong with that except that he doesn't live alone there are other there are other human beings in this house so can lead to some awkwardness there 
maybe you've had similar situations or stories with tequila. I feel like they're fairly common. And it's really, it's a bad rap that I don't think is super fair, despite uh, how often that may or may not happen to people. <laughs> it's it's unfortunate because it actually has such a huge and a long history. It, go, it dates all the way back to the Aztec people. And there's a lot that goes into making tequila that I think doesn't get a lot of respect or the, or the, the respect that it deserves. So I'm going to quickly go over kind of what I'm looking at, what the different terms mean in case you have never purchased tequila before or if you've been scared just like I have. I'm going to share with you the knowledge, the little bit of knowledge that I have and, and what the different bottles mean. So if you're not an expert, uh, tequila actually has some strict regulations as far as what can be called tequila and what cannot. So in order for a, a liquid, <laughs> for a bottle to be to have the word tequila on it, it must be from the blue agave plant and it has to come from a specific region in Mexico. If the product doesn't live up to both of those standards, then it cannot be called tequila. And instead, you'll see another term that's often in the same area of the store as the tequila, but they'll call it mezcal, right? Which is usually it's either from a different plant or, or from a different region or probably both of those things. It's very similar, but not 100% exactly the same as tequila. So that's like that's like tricky part number one. Then two, if or the, or the or the continuation of that, if it does say you have the word tequila on it, then there's four other things to look for to know exactly what you're getting. And the first one, it probably one of the most common ones, if it's clear or what they call blanco, right? That's one. Second is if you see it with a golden color right and then after that is the the onejo and then the extra onejo and those are the four different types and they pretty much represent how old the tequila in the bottle is so the the first one the blanco you know the clear one the white one that is straight fresh it was made and they distilled it or whatever they did all their thing and they pretty much put it in the bottle it's basically it is from like age zero like they just made it and threw it in the bottle to about two months or so sitting around before it got put in the bottle but it's not aged very much right it's it's the infant version of tequila and then you go from there and you got the i'm gonna butcher it i can't really say the i can't roll the r's like like you're supposed to the you know uh dustin from stranger things when he's when he's got his hair and his teeth and whatever like i can't i can't do that in a word but the the uh rep reposado reposado uh it means rested right it's i think it's spanish word for rested and that means that it has before after they got done making it it sat around for between two months up to a year right so that's that's the golden color that's where it's come that's where the color comes from unless they faked it and put dyes in there but the way where it's supposed to come from is from the barrels that it's sitting in and that the wood kind of leaks into it just like with whiskey and, and bourbon and stuff that's why you get that same color the coloring comes from the wood barrels that it's in so we've got that one which is a little bit longer and then from there you've got the onejo which is a, a product that's been rested that's in sat in barrels between one year to three years and then the extra is where it's three years or older like three to ten or whatever and that's kind of those you know of course the more the longer it rests longer it sits the more expensive the product is going to be that's just that common sense just like with scotches and stuff like that so now personally because I am a, a, a scotch guy whiskey guy and I like to see 
you know, there's that on my bottle. I, the first thing I ever drank on the show was Lagavulin 16, which means that the product sat in a barrel for 16 years before they put it into a bottle and then sold it to uh, my friends who bought it for me for my birthday, and, and then I, I drank it. So that, you know, is impressive in that number. And, you know, let, you know let's, I, what else have I talked about on the show? Uh, Glenn Levitt 12 or whatever else it might be. You know, those numbers are all, you know, impressive to me, and that's usually what I like. And I have to remind myself that tequila, even with the the infant one, even with the Blanco, the clear one, even the one that they just made and popped in the bottle, actually takes about eight years for that whole process to happen, for the blue agave plant to mature and to get to a point where they can process it and make tequila out of it. It's, it takes about from like, I don't know, whatever, like seed or whatever to product. It takes about eight years, which is pretty impressive all by itself. And I don't think that it gets enough credit for the amount of work and effort that it takes to, to make it. And then, you know, of course, if you age it from there, it's just going to get even better over time. But it's just a, it's a big process. It goes, has so much history. And I, 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 don't know, I like to give it a little more respect than, than what it gets. And I tried to in the past, I've always tried to purchase the the aged ones, which obviously there there's a market for that, and that's that's definitely a thing. My kind of issue is I feel a little bit bad about trying to make the tequila succumb to the th- the the things that I respect about whiskey, right? Like I like I'm trying to force the tequila to be a whiskey when it's not. It's actually a it's very different. It's a tequila. And so I'm trying to be better about just like appreciating tequila for what it is and doing it that way. So for so for this one I actually had uh, I put it up on Instagram. Uh, I've had this for a little while. My sister's boyfriend gave me uh, a little while ago a bottle of Patron. And it was just the regular, you know, this the silver, uh, the the Blanco one. I put that into a decanter that I had that was given to me, I think, for my birthday or maybe it was Hanukkah. I can't remember. Uh, about a year and a half ago or so, from from my best friends. It's actually the shape of a stormtrooper helmet. And the uh, the Patron bottle is pretty cool. I love their B. I love their design. But like, come on, it's a stormtrooper. So I had to I had to put it in there. There's a picture of it up, like I said, on Instagram. I'm super proud of it. I uh, love it a lot. And it just looks so cool on my shelves. So in my journey to try and appreciate tequila more and drink it more for what it is, not just as a vehicle to get clothes off or, or whatever it might be, I've been trying to, to appreciate it. And I'm not 100% there yet, I'll be honest. I'm still trying. So uh, I'm, I'm enjoying this Patron. I'm, undo- I'm doing it the old college the old classic way with salt tequila and then lime which is the order of how it goes by the way you lick the salt you drink the drink the shot and then you suck on the lime as a chaser and i know it gets a little bit confusing sometimes which order i've seen i've seen uh college-aged people do it all kinds of different ways but that's the official order in case you were wondering so anyway that's a whole lot to talk about all that stuff let's get back to the bible stuff let's get back to abraham so we pick up on this part of abraham's story in genesis chapter 18 and it's pretty damn close to where we left off last time but we don't even really miss a beat Uh, we heard a promise that sarah would have a baby in a year from there and then everyone got circumcised and that's where we stopped 
So we're just a little bit after that, all that happened. And I don't know if he's still recuperating or if we're far enough past that, that his circumcision is, is healed and everything. But Abraham is sitting in his tent one day, he's just watching Sports Center, and he looks out the window just by chance, and he sees three men approaching his his camp, his tent and everything, like kind of in the distance. And when he sees them, now remember, he's, I mean, he's very rich. He's got uh, tons of flocks and, and people that work for him and whatever, right? So he's like kind of a big deal. But when he sees them, he immediately jumps up and runs out of the tent. And when he gets to them, he bows down to these three guys. And as he's sitting there and he's bowing down to these three guys, he starts begging them to stick around and to stay for a spell, right? And he offers them drinks and food and just says, you know, please rest up and stay here. And they agree. And he starts getting to work, like butchering a calf and, you know, like creating a big, you know, grand feast and tells his wife, Sarah, to make some fresh bread and all that kind of stuff. And I don't quite know what the deal was, what these, like, like I don't think their parents wise, like what triggered Abraham to go all hostess with the mostess like mode. Uh, maybe he just did this for everyone all the time and this wasn't like unusual for him at all he just loved having company and hosting parties i'm not sure i think though that abraham recognized that these guys were something special and that they deserved his extra attention like that but it's interesting because usually when there are passages about like angels or whatever it usually like kind of hints at that in the Bible. Like it usually like uses wording to let you know that hey, they're angels or they're something special. And it doesn't say that for these guys at, at the beginning here. It just it just says and there were three guys. And so it's a little bit a little bit kind of weird. But so Abraham prepares the feast and they're chilling and they're eating and everything. And the guys uh, go to go to Abraham. They look at Abraham. They go, Hey Abraham, uh, where's your wife Sarah? And he says, Oh, she's right over there in the tent. You know, and they're like, Oh, cool, cool, whatever. And uh, he's like, just just a heads up. Thanks for the food and everything. We just want to let you know that in a year from now, we're going to swing back by here because we really want to see your your newborn son because he'll be born at that time. Uh, he just They're already making plans, you know, like, you got to see the baby. Like, they're already planning for that a year from now. And this is, you know, shortly after, like, the whole circumcision thing and whatever. And, like, they're still, like... They're not pregnant. They're not like expecting like they they are they have belief that God's going to do it, but they're not fully like, you know, she's not pregnant yet. And Sarah hears them talking. Uh, she's eavesdropping, you know, from like the doorway of the tent or something like that. I don't know. And and while she eavesdrops them, she just starts like kind of like, shaking her head. And she's like this this nonsense again. Like and you got to like realize like she is what like like in her 80s or coming up on nine if he's 99 she's 89 like she is way past like menopause like she, there's no way that she should be having children and so she listens and she hears what they're talking about like oh we're gonna come back in a year when your baby's born and she laughs to herself she's like y'all crazy like there's no way that's happening like we're, we're past all this but the tone of the passage like immediately changes when this when this happens because they like this again I was talking about how they they were just like oh these three guys or whatever but when she laughs right after after they said all that it switches over and it's all like all of a sudden one of the three guys is like uh, paraphrasing like like surprise you thought I was just some man but it was me Dio like God himself. And he goes to Abraham, he's like, yo, WTF, Abraham, why did Sarah just laugh? And he says, is anything too hard for me, God? 
<laughs> and Sarah gets like all scared and kind of like comes out where she's like, what? Like you tripping. I did not laugh. And God was like, uh, yeah, you sure did. You sure did. But he let it go. He didn't like make a big deal about it. He just, he wanted her to know that he knew. Right. So kind of put her in place a little bit. Like, you know, not only is he God and he can make you have a baby, but he's also has amazing hearing. So he knew, he knows when you're laughing when you shouldn't be. So then the men all get up and they're like, thank you for having us. And they start heading on their way. And then Abraham like sees them out. He's there. He's walking with them for a little bit. And at one point, two of the three guys, I guess, uh, they were like regular angels or something. And they just keep on walking towards the next city over or whatever in the distance, uh, the city of Sodom. And the one who, I guess, revealed himself to be God, actually, uh, surprise, all along, he stays back for a minute and he kicks it with Abraham. And he reveals that Sodom is like straight up just a nasty place to be. And that he's thinking about destroying the whole city and just wiping them out and not worrying about it because they are so, so dirty and so bad. And But he wants to check it for himself. He doesn't want to just destroy them based on rumors or, or, you know, what someone told him. He wants to go down and look at it himself and see what the big deal is and see if it's really as bad as all that. And Abraham starts grilling God. He starts getting real questiony. He starts, starts wanting to know more about it. And he says, listen, listen I've heard rumors. I know, I know things too. Uh, me, Abraham. Um, it's a rough city. But there's got to be some good people there, right? Like, are you telling me, God, that you're going to destroy all the good people with all the bad ones? That doesn't, that doesn't seem super fair. Like, like, what if, God, like, what if you find 50 good people there? Will you still just destroy everything? Will you wipe everything out? And God says, no, no. If I can find 50 good people, if I got 50, if there are 50 good people, I will not destroy it. And Abraham's like, cool, 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 cool. What about 45 good people? Like, I don't, like, he's just straight up haggling. God says, I will spare it for 45 good people. I will not destroy the whole city. Abraham's like, cool, awesome. So, so great. How about 40? Would you, will you spare them all for 40? God says, I will spare them for 40 people. Abraham Zoke says, he says, okay, listen, don't be mad. I know I'm pushing my luck. How about 30? If you find 30 good people, are you going to, are you still going to wipe them all out? And God says, I will let them live for 30 people, 30 good people. He's, Abraham's like, how about 20? <laughs> he just, he's, man, he's, he's pushing it. And he says, God says, yes, I'll let the whole city live for 20 good people. And then Abraham's like, uh, how about 10? If you find 10 good people, God says, for 10 good people, I will not destroy the city. And I guess at this point, either Abraham realized he had been pushing his luck super hard, or he also like felt like, surely there's 10 decent people in the city. There's 10 good people, like right? Like I got, I got, I got it low enough. That's a price I'm willing to pay. Right? He's finally like, you know, the the transaction is complete, and they're and they're haggling, <laughs> their business haggle there. So. Uh, you know, good old Abraham just going to bat for these people, which, you know, is, is an honorable thing, right? He's like, oh, you know, there's got to be some good people there. Don't kill all of them. And uh, and then God kind of like dips or whatever. He's like, I'm done talking to you. Like, you, <laughs> you keep, you're kind of annoying with these questions. So he leaves. And then the two angels make their way to Sodom. And Lot, remember remember Lot, 
uh, Abrams or Abraham's nephew that they had split up because they had the turf wars and stuff with their because he had too many sheep. Uh, they were both super rich and everything. And Lot had selfishly chosen what he thought was the best area over near Sodom. Right, that's the that's the way that he went, and then Abraham went the opposite direction, so they could split ways. So as these, as these angels are walking up to Sodom, Lot is just happens to be hanging out by the city gates, and he sees the two angels rolling up. And while Lot wasn't as religious as Abraham was, apparently he knew enough to identify that these weren't just two dudes, right? They weren't just two guys walking around doing nothing or whatever and so he goes up and he bows down to these guys and he begs them to come spend the night at his house and he'll feed them and they can sleep there and he's like like i'll take care of you and just you know come come have dinner with me you know we got you you can stay with my family we're, we're cool you know you can trust me but because they were there specifically for this big mission to find out if sodom the city is worthy of being redeemed or if they need to like nuke the whole place up <laughs> they don't want to get sidetracked by having dinner and a meal with lot so they they're like nah dog like they decline we're just gonna sleep on the streets tonight like no big deal like we're fine and lot was like nope that is a bad idea you do not want to do that whatsoever trust me please come stay in my house please 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 for your own sake i'm i'm telling you it's a bad idea so they finally relented these two angels and they agreed to stay at his house for the night and they go back and they they're eating and they eat dinner and everything and right before it's time to go to bed here's where it gets a little spicy right before they get ready to go to bed lot's house gets surrounded by all the men of the city it says the men of sodom young and old like all the people there all the dudes all the guys there surround the house and they start banging on the door and <laughs> I, I can't even do this in like a voice or anything to make it like funny or cute because it's actually horrific it's actually horrible but they literally like banging on the door they're knocking the place down and they go they're yelling out like lot like where are you hiding these men bring them out here so we can all have sex with them <laughs> dramatic pause let that sink in like they are banging on this guy's house because they saw two angels go in and they all want to fuck them they all want to have sex with them and <laughs> like like you're probably at this point starting to get the idea of why god is thinking about destroying the city like it's the whole city is just one big like prison rape city like it's just a like it's like like i like uh, well uh that's a tricky part i don't this this is a, a passage that is a lot of times used in the christian realm to say like oh that's that's why god hates uh gays or homosexuality or that type of thing like just look at this whole city that god had to destroy because of it however i'd like to point out that i think that the reason god wanted to destroy the city was because they were a rapey city like like let's 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 forget about the the fact that it's gay stuff or whatever like like dude on dude but it's it's there the whole city came out to rape the two new people that showed up in the city like that is not okay like that's that's probably a big reason why there was the whole city need to get destroyed i'm just saying it gets worse and then lot steps outside like he kind of like squeezes through this front door while all the people are around his house and he's like guys 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 what are you doing he shuts the door behind him and you know so he can keep the angel boys safe inside angel guys safe inside he's like guys 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 uh, the men are here under my roof they're under my protection please don't be so wicked stop being wicked 
<laughs> don't do this, don't do this. And which starts off nice, right? Like that's a nice like, you know, like, oh, that's under my protection. Like, please guys, like just chill, whatever. But then like, Lot doesn't stop there. Lot is a piece of work, man. Lot trying to settle them down. He says, please don't prison rape the guys that I just welcomed into my house that were wandering here. He doesn't stop there. He says, this motherfucker. He goes, please don't rape these guys that are in my house. Instead, uh, I've got two virgin daughters, my two daughters, right? They haven't been with a man yet. How about I bring them out here and you can do whatever you want to them instead, which is not me paraphrasing it. That is like basically the quote unquote in the Bible, like, like have your way with them. And he's like, is that, is that a good trade? Like, yeah, yeah two, my two daughters, like, like, what the fuck, man? Like, what are you doing? But holy shit. Anyway, whatever. But the gang of guys, right, the the prison rapey guys are like, who the fuck do you think you are? You're not from around here. You're not one of us. You just got here a couple of months ago, and you think you can judge us and tell us what to do? And they, like, are starting to have it. They go, never mind the angel boys. Now we are all going to take turns on you, Mr. Lot. And I'm sure, like, Lot's eyes got big, and I was like, oh, I didn't see it going that way. And just as the crowd is starting to move in toward Lot and be horrible people, uh, as soon as they're about to do all that, the front door of Lot's house flies open. The angels grab Lot and pull him inside the house and, like, put him, like, behind him. And as the whole group of the people are still kind of running up because they were, like, arms outstretched trying to grab Lot or whatever, the angels, like, flashbang blind the whole group of them, the whole, everyone there, the young, the old, all the all the rapists that were there, he, they blind all of them, and they can't find the door, they can't do anything, they're all helpless, they're just, they can't see anything anymore, and the angels look over to Lot, and they go, Lot, do you have any other relatives in the city, anybody that you care about, because you need to go get them, and you need to leave now, we are going to destroy this place. This is worse than we imagined. Uh, it does not need to exist. Everybody's going to die. We are going to nuke the place. We're going to turn it to glass. <laughs> you need to go. And Lot's like, yes, yes, I do know a couple people. So he runs out. And, you know, those two daughters that we just got done talking about, well, apparently they were engaged to two other guys in the city who I guess they weren't circled around his, his house uh, trying to rape anybody. But they were in the city. They're from the city. And he runs up and like, hey, uh, we got to go. And I kind of like you were about to be, uh, marry my daughters. And... Like, I want you to come with us and we can keep that thing going. But Sodom is, is about to be destroyed. And these guys don't believe him for a second. And they laugh him off and like, you are crazy and whatever. And I don't know. They just, they're not into it. They don't believe it. So he can't convince them to come or do anything. And the angels are, are fed up and they're like, time is up. You have to leave. Leave those guys here. And the angels literally like grab Lot's hand. They grab Lot's wife's hand and his two daughters' hands. And they all kind of like, like he, they drag them out of the city. And they all, all the angels and the four other ones, like they're all running out of the city. And they, they drag them out to a certain part, like a little bit past the gate or something, I guess. And they, they stop dragging them. And they go, listen, you got to run. Run that way. Run into the mountains and don't look back. Don't even turn around. Run for the mountains and go live in the mountains. Run or you will die with this city. And Lot 
God, Lot, like, like as, as if that wasn't enough. Like, Lot is still pushing his luck. And he goes, oh, but the mountains, like, oh, okay, like, oh, like, the mountains, they suck, man. Like, I hate, like, we're, we'll die if we go to the mountains. There's no food in there or whatever. There's this little bitty town right over there by at the foot of the mountain. Can we just please go there instead? And, like, and the angels, like, roll their eyes, and they're like, how much more dramatic do we have to get with you? Like, we're telling you to run for your lives, we're destroying everything here, and you're still trying to, to haggle with us? You're still trying to make deals? And the angels are like, whatever, that <laughs> that little city over there is not part of what we're here to destroy, so whatever. Go go to the little city, we don't care, but just don't be here. Don't stay, you got to go. And they're like, go, leave now, run, run and don't look back. And so Lot's like, okay, okay. He finally gets the pe- picture and he, he runs off. So the four, four of them, it's him and his wife and his two daughters. They're running to this little city. And as they're running, God just opens up like the worst parts of, of heaven. And uh, not that whatever. I'm trying to build a, an imagery like it just rains down fire and brimstone onto the city of Sodom. And, it, and its neighbor city, which I didn't really talk about beforehand, but apparently it's just as bad. But the city of Gomorrah, right? So Sodom and Gomorrah. Gomorrah. Where's Gomorrah? Who's Gomorrah? Why is Gomorrah? I'll do you one better. Anyway, uh, Sodom and Gomorrah just get obliterated. Just, it's just not exactly, but like asteroids are coming down. Like there's explosions, I think, and just fire. Like I'm not sure. Someone might could do like a, uh, a study on this. I, I kind of wonder if there wasn't a volcano nearby that actually erupted and it just like got all the all the stuff down from it but that's just that's just my own like possible theory i mean who knows i don't know why i'm trying to like add extra stuff to it like it just like it it rained down fire and brimstone killed everyone there and while they're running lot and his wife and his two daughters are running away for their lives and lot's wife looks back she looks back on the city and then instantly it says she is turned into a pillar of salt just boom baby like instantly just like uh and i it's so interesting to me for for a couple parts like just let me go down this this rabbit hole for a minute but i looked it up a long time ago because it seems like such a strange thing like there's no other history of people being turned into pillars of salt in the bible like why why here why now like why why did this happen it's not a normal thing so I thought maybe for a bit that it was just mistranslation. Like maybe they meant she got hit by one of the fiery brimstone like smoldering rocks or something and got turned into ash or maybe dust or something like that. Um, like <laughs> Mr. Stark, I don't feel so good. Uh, something along those lines, right? Uh, the Thanos snap. Like, you know, maybe she just got like, you know, like turned to ash or whatever. But the, the, in, the in the Hebrew... Um, for the, all the stuff like there are words for dust and ash and it's not that it's it specifically talks about salt there so it's very very interesting and also uh not to get too preachy but i think i here's my personal belief when she turns around it's not the just mere act of turning around and looking 
like we can't all be the superheroes doing the cool thing that superheroes do where they're too cool to look at explosions right we've all seen that that trope right like like if you if you're a badass you don't look at explosions you're not allowed to look at fireworks if you're if you're too cool like the first iron man movie where he's blowing up those middle eastern terrorists or whatever and just launches a volley of bombs and missiles out of his shoulders and whatever and then he turns and he just walks towards the camera while everything is getting blown the shit up like <laughs> he's like not nope, too cool for that and that's become a whole thing now like like in every cool movie that's what they do like that's so hard to do like like fireworks are literally a thing that like we as human beings we love to th- see things blow up like we intentionally blow stuff up just so we can look at it like that's what we do so i don't think that she just looked around behind her as the whole city was was getting destroyed and god was like oh i told you not to like now you're salt i think i here's my personal belief is that she looked at it longingly like oh i'm really gonna miss that prison rapey town like i'm really i'm really gonna i really wish god wasn't destroying it because i had a lot of friends there we had a lot of good times and um you know now there goes my book club like i like i think she she was she was really upset that the the rapey town was all done away with and god was not about that he's like nope you can't you can't hang around and still like live the rest of your days like mourning over the fact that that rape town just got destroyed so i think that's kind of what it was a matter of the heart not just the act of looking around but who knows i don't know it's just a theory i have maybe maybe i mean the angel said don't turn around and she disobeyed so maybe that's all it takes i don't know anyway (laughs) so she gets turned to salt uh lot and his two daughters they they keep on running towards the mountains and the town and everything and then it picks up the story picks up like while wow, the whole place or the morning after everything gets destroyed in Sodom and Gomorrah and Abraham wakes up and he kind of looks out and just sees the, the pillar of smoke or you know just like the the plume of smoke just rising from what used to be Sodom and Gomorrah and he knew he knew some shit went down overnight and he just kind of like he just looks right I think the camera probably like like pans to his face and you can see in like like his like the reflection the glossy in his eyes or whatever you probably see like the big plume of smoke coming from sodom and gomorrah and you can like and he, he mumbles kind of out loud like huh wow i really thought there would be 10 good people in the city like i, I, I really really thought they would do better than this like holy shit so we pick up back with Lot. We realize that Lot has lost everything. Lot and his two daughters have lost everything. And that, like, remember when Lot was begging the angels to let him go to that little town instead of living in the mountains, and they agreed to do it? Well, he's an idiot, and I guess because his wife got like turned to salt or, or whatever, maybe that has an impact on people. He's scared to live in the city, even though they gave him permission. But he's he's trying not to screw it up, I guess, um, anymore. So he doesn't live in the city. He actually does what the angels originally said, and he goes and lives in a cave in the mountains. So it's Lot and his daughters are living in the cave together up in the mountains. They lost their future husbands, their fiancés. Lot lost his, his wife. They lost their mother. They lost their flocks, all their money, right, all these things. But they've had a rough couple of days for sure. So I don't know if it was just like they broke like mentally like they just like you know we're all one bad day as, as joker would say maybe this is what happened i don't know but 
the daughters hatch a plan. And I guess they'd just been living too close to Sodom for too long, and they got, like, a little twisted. But they hatch this plan, and they, they talk to each other. They live in this cave, and no one else is around. And they go, hey, there are no other guys here. There are no other dudes. The older daughter is saying to the younger daughter, and she's like, we really have a duty. We have to keep Dad's lineage going strong. How about, and there's no other guys here, because we live in the mountains, <laughs> we live in a cave. Uh, she goes, how about we get Dad drunk on wine, and then we can uh, have him get us pregnant and then we can keep the line going that way. So, yep, you guessed it, folks. We're moving right from rape and into incest. Uh, and and then father rape or whatever. Like, they're, they're literally talking about getting him too drunk, like, so that he doesn't know what's going on. Anyway, and they do, and they do it. And it's so not okay, but for two nights in a row, they get him drunk on wine and get all incesty, and they get pregnant. And it says that lot... To his credit, as, as shitty of a person as he is, it says that he doesn't know what's happening. He doesn't have the wherewithal. Like, it's not... He wasn't into it. He just, I guess, was a super drunk, and they just, whatever, did their thing. And anyway, so they had... So they both got pregnant. I don't know, like... I don't know how that conversation comes about. Like, like at some point, nine months later, or whatever, or not even that, four or five months later, like, they start showing, and he's like how did y'all get pregnant? And they're all like, don't worry about it. It's a magical, like, mountain baby. Like, it just, like, like, I, like, how does that conversation happen? But it doesn't go into it. I don't know. And so they have, but they have two kids. They've got two sons. And uh, the one of the daughters has a son named Moab, who becomes the father of the Moabites, which is a, is a big deal. And then the other one, not a great, not a good big deal like the moabites are historically also a pain in the ass for the israelites so not a great lineage there and the other one uh ben ami who is the father of the amons and if you remember uh, back to the moabites the moabites were the guys that were in charge when we talked about the left-handed assassin ehud and that super fat king eglon remember they like assassin creed like snuck up on the balcony and stabbed him uh, in the gut and he was so fat that was the Moabites and that's where this lineage comes from so just the the moral lesson that we can learn today like the end of a, a G.I. Joe episode <laughs> like mountain incest with your father or whatever getting like it's not okay it doesn't lead to good things like right it's just it was a bad decision and it led to shitty a shitty nation of people um <laughs> I, don't, I don't I don't even know this is the weirdest episode <laughs> But it all it all still connects though. It all it all loops back in together and it all roots back into this incest cave and shake my head. I don't I don't even know. So anyway, so back to Abraham. Abraham moves on and moves to a place called uh, Gerar. And Abraham Abraham. Okay, like we just covered a bunch of wacky crazy horrible things that just happened to and with Lot, right? Just back to back, just blowing the stories out of the park, right? And then Abraham, we're, he's not, we're gonna tone it down a lot, right? It's gonna get a bit more mild. But Abraham, my guy, man, he's a nice guy. He really is, right? He cared about the people in Sodom, like he was rooting for him and all that. But he just, he just doesn't learn. So he's in, he's in Gerar, and he goes around again because he's all still worried. And now she's ninety nine or nine. 
uh, he's 99. She's 89 years old, right? So it's now been another uh, 20 or 30 years since the first time this happened. You know where I'm going. He gets scared again because she's so beautiful, and he's a, he's sure that they're gonna <laughs> they're gonna kill him and take his wife for their own. <sighs> So he, they just start sprouting out again. That like, oh, this is my sister. Like, you know, nice to meet you. My name's Abraham. This is my sister, Sarah. Like, whatever, no big deal. And the king of of Gerar, uh, this guy named Abimelech, he takes Sarah as his wife. Like, like, like I, again, we got to give it up to Sarah. Ninety years old now, and she's still like turning heads, turning kings, pharaohs' heads. And there's getting, she's getting scooped up to be to be their wife. Like give credit where credit is due like you know like good for you girl you know keeping it keeping it tight keeping it together but then god comes to abimelech right after he like marries her comes to abimelech in a dream and tells him that he is a dead man for taking another man's wife like a big no-no and abimelech is like what the fuck like and rightfully so but he's like he's like what what are you what are you talking about god what what are you doing and then God keeps talking to him in the dream, and he's like, and they kind of argue, like, you know, Abimelech is going to bat for himself, like he is a self-appointed lawyer, and try to get himself out of this whole mess. And he says, listen, I didn't know that was his wife. They said that they were sister and brother, and it's not my fault. And he's like, I didn't even have sex with her yet. I brought her in, I made her my wife, but I got super busy, and I haven't even been with her. I haven't touched her yet. And God's like, okay, I hear you, I hear you. Tell you what, uh, give her back to Abraham right now and don't touch her and I'll let you live and I might even bless you. But if you keep her as your wife, you will die. And Abimelech wakes up from this dream that he talked to God and he's like early next morning, he grabs he grabs a bunch of cattle and servants and, and slaves and whatever and he gives them all as presents to Abraham along back you know with his wife, you know, like the wife was, was on top of the whole pile of, of cattle and, and presents and things, but he's like, Here's your wife back, here's a bunch of other goodies and things. You just like what what are you trying to do to me right now? What <laughs> why would you lie about a thing like that? Like I wasn't the same thing that Pharaoh was like, like I wasn't gonna touch you, I wasn't gonna do anything, but I thought she was free game. I thought she was your sister. I was like, you know, whatever. But he's like, not not cool, bro. Like, you need to get out of my town, you need to get out of my city. And yet again, Abraham makes a shit ton of money and goods from telling people that his wife is his sister. Like it just doesn't make any any sense. But anyway. Uh, <laughs> so finally after all this so they leave that and now he's got even more money and more wealth so it's not there's not a good lesson to be learned here like it's like i'm not advocating i don't think the bible should be advocating that that we should be doing that and trying to trick people into marrying our wives <laughs> I, I don't know but but he got he profited from it again he is he is at a hundred right now two for two of of doing this this con this bit and getting a payday for it but anyway so after all that we finally get to the part where sarah then gets pregnant and you know it wasn't abimelech there's no kind of like sneaky whatever thing there abimelech didn't touch her it was abraham's baby abraham got her pregnant and abraham is 100 years old and she's like 91 and uh blah 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 like she ends up like she gets pregnant and then she ends up having the and having the son and the baby pops out, and she decides to name him Isaac. And Isaac means to laugh. 
And she named him Isaac to laugh because she laughed a year prior when God said he was going to make her have a baby. And that's where he got his name. And it's a sweet little nice a nice ending part to the whole story that started out with a bunch of rape and incest and everything. So it's a whirlwind, a roller coaster of emotions, the story of Abraham and Lot and yeah, all that stuff. So uh, not super fun, all of it, but super interesting. And that was why I drank the tequila because I had the, the lick the, uh, the salt and then drank the tequila and then sucked on the lime. The salt ties into Lot's wife being turned into a pillar of salt. So uh, kind of a weird, creepy tie-in. <laughs> I don't, I don't know, but it's the only thing I could think of. So that's the story of today. And then we're gonna fast forward next time, and we're gonna go into the later years of Isaac. We're gonna skip over uh, his early stuff and uh, catch up with him later about the time that he's starting to have kids. And um, we're gonna take the lineage from there. So that's the plan. Thank you guys for joining us today. Uh, I, I, as always, I hope that you had fun. I know it was kind of a weird a weird episode uh, going over some things, but that's what we do here when I, I drink too much and talk about my favorite Bible stories. So if you haven't already, check us out on, on Instagram at uh, Getting Biblical. Of course, you can find me on Twitter. I am Matt Smith. And on Instagram, I am Matt Smith IG. Thank you for listening. Tune in next time, please. And more than anything else, just hope you have a fantastic day. Cheers.